What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Table 40. Uh, Matt and Leslie here. Today, we're joined uh, by a three-time All-Star Closer uh, and three-time uh, Kid Haver, Mark <laughs> and Mary Mary Catherine Melanson. And we're glad you guys came on and excited to uh, catch up and talk to you guys a little bit about life. And we just appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, this is awesome. Appreciate you guys having us. Thanks for having us, guys. Oh, of course. This is fun. Okay. I I don't know this, the answer to this question. So I am curious how you guys met. Like, take us back to the beginning. <laughs> well, I went to Notre Dame and Mark was playing baseball against Notre Dame. And he knew my roommate in high school. And we were freshmen in college. And my roommate and I were working at Notre Dame for the summer at um, a camp called Indy Vision. It was like a youth camp for kids. Um, a Jesus camp for kids. And so I, that was my summer job. And she had said, do you, will you come show my friend around campus with me? Because he's here playing baseball. And I said, sure, no problem. So I gave a really good tour of the Notre Dame campus to Mark. And um, this was like pre-Facebook, pre-anything like that. So we just started talking. And about a year later, we decided to start dating long distance. And all through college, we dated as wild as that impractical as that was so that was kind of our journey and then we've been married now 11 years and three kids and so it was a long time ago who I want to ask you about that so I I get the honor of teaching bible study to college girls and there's one girl that will remain nameless because she she'll listen to this and so I'm not gonna like <laughs> I'm not right gonna say her name but um anyway so she's trying the long distance thing how in the world did you do that that is very very challenging yeah, uh, it was challenging, but it's, it gave us our freedom in the sense that, you know, we still had, I mean, Mary Catherine was busy. She played water polo at Notre Dame and, and I played baseball at Arizona. So, you know, we were still very busy. Um, so I, I don't know. It was, it was challenging definitely, but I don't know if it was impossible, you know, it's just, uh, well, I think for me, um, I appreciated Mark that you always did what you said you were going to do in the sense where neither of us are people that have to talk all the time, or I don't know, we both have a lot going on, but if he said he was going to call, he called, if he, if we had a free weekend, we saw each other, like we just, we knew we were committed to each other. And I never doubted that because he always, I don't know if he said he's going to call, he called. We might not have had a lot to say that day, but he just always came through when I needed him to. So it just really was um, something that was manageable because of that. Yeah, that's good. I think just building trust and like with little yeah. things like that, I think um, really can get you to a healthy place when you're doing the long distance. Yeah, we did so the long distance. Taking Mark, taking you back to college and, and just talk, a, when was the first time you thought, you know what, I think I can, I can be a major league pitcher. Like what, at what point in your life, whether it was high school or college, did you really think, you know, this was what you wanted to do for a living and that you felt like you could, you could get to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cause you know, high school, I always, I didn't even think of that. That wasn't on my radar. I was, you know, impressed that a scout showed up. And then the fact that uh, colleges were looking at me, I was just, you know, it was kind of a caught me off guard, but I played three sports in high school. And so, you know, I got letters and a couple letters in football and then a couple, you know, other offers, um, obviously in baseball, but 
I knew baseball was going to be my ticket if, if I did decide to go on. Um, but that came late into high school. And then when, when I started looking at colleges, um, I was just so intimidated because we had the fifth best recruiting class in the nation my freshman year. And, you know, 13, 14 guys came in that year. And all I had heard about was these guys are studs. These guys are studs, which made me work harder. And then what I noticed is that every year, you know, my freshman year, my sophomore year, and then my junior year, every year I heard all oh, these guys coming in. They're, they're so good. They're so good. But for, for whatever reason, it seemed like guys would get in their own way and it, it seemed to be a different story, but it was always the same story at the end. They would get in their own way and have an excuse, have a reason why that they went from the best recruit in the nation to all of a sudden they're going to a junior college after one year or, you know, they're dropping out of school or bad grades or whatever it is. And I just, I learned very quickly that consistency pays off, um, you know, just showing up, being on time, doing things right. Those things just, if you do those things and you stay out of your own way, <laughs> it, you, you're probably going to have a good chance given that you already have talent. Otherwise you wouldn't have been recruited to get to college. Um, so, you know, for me, just, learning that and realizing how, how big and important consistency is. And then, you know, but, but to answer your question, which I really haven't answered is that <laughs> okay. I, I didn't uh, I've never, even today, I don't feel like, you know, like I should be a three-time all-star and all this stuff and, and play in the big leagues for 10 plus years. And, you know, I, I still feel like there's guys behind me that are way more talented. I mean, and if you look at analytics, which everybody's doing these days, everybody is more talented. I'm so, not buying it. I'm not buying it. I face you, so you can't sell me on that. You might be able to sell her on that, but that cutter curveball combinations, I'm not buying that. But yeah. I uh so it, it so talk about the, the cutter a little bit. Is that something that I mean, I this I don't know how many listeners are interested, but I'm interested. Was the cutter something you had in college or when did you kind of was that a natural like pitch for you or is that somebody something taught somebody taught you so billy connors with the yankees uh i must have been in triple a yeah triple a is when i when he showed me the grip you know i'd watched mariano quite a bit at that point and even even my first couple years uh, Billy Connor showed me the grip, but then I didn't really pay attention to it. I didn't really want to add another pitch. I was doing fine. I had moved up the ranks in minor leagues and um, watched Mariano a ton and was in the bullpen with him for, you know, 2009 and 10. And uh, it wasn't until I got to Houston in 2011 when I took that grip and then I was, I was playing catch with Brandon Webb. Brandon Lyon. Brandon Lyon, sorry. And um, and he was showing me his cutter, which he had a really good cutter. And we would play catch every day at about 60 feet and just in the outfield. And it took me two or three months of just throwing that pitch in the outfield before I threw, took it to a bullpen. And then I, I used it in one bullpen. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to 
I'm going to take it into the game and use it like a four seam fastball. And if it stays on the black, it's a four seam fastball. If it actually cuts a little bit, then it does what it's supposed to. And it's a bonus. So that was my mindset was treat it like a four seam fastball. If it cuts, it cuts. And uh, the catcher didn't even know I was, you know, changing the grip a little bit or anything. It was, he just thought it was a four seam fastball. So, and then it started cutting and he told that to me, Hey, your, your ball's moving a little bit more than it was. And, uh, you know, I knew that I might've had something at that point. So, and then I got to Pittsburgh and Russell Martin, who just came over from the Yankees and was with Mariano. Um, he said, Hey, that pitch is really good. We're going to use it until people show us that we need to switch it up. And that was a huge part of my career was, and Matt, as you know, I, I mean, that's all I've really thrown. And for a long time, it was almost like 90% of the time, you know, I'd use my curveball, but I, I would just pound lefties in and, and righties, I'd stay away from them. And until they proved they were going to do something different, that's what I would use. So. Mark, how important is a catcher? Like who is, I, I don't know. We, I mean, Yachty's a good friend of, of our family and it's just so cool to see him work and, and the leadership that he just carries. And, um, but I mean, Matt's not a pitcher. So I guess I'm more curious than anything, like the relationship between a pitcher and a catcher, is that a big deal? Or am I just imagining yeah, really, I love Yachty so much? <laughs> no, it's a huge deal because, um, on so many different levels, it's a big deal, you know, as a friendship and somebody that really has genuine care behind the plate and wants to see you do well, they don't care about their at bat, you know, that they just struck out or whatever they want to see you succeed. Um, you feel that there's, there, I don't know how you feel that, but you feel it. And then, you know, you can go to game calling how good they are at that. That's, that's a totally different kind of realm, but, it helps. I can get away with a bad game caller if the guy really wants you to succeed and they're willing to learn and, and, you know, go along with what you want to do. So you can kind of substitute different things. If, if a guy's willing and has that heart and attitude that, you know, um, kind of a learning attitude, I guess, is, is my biggest thing for a catcher and somebody that genuinely cares. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, Mary Catherine. So you played water polo at Notre Dame and that's cool. I mean, we haven't had any water polo players on table 40. We have not. That's shocking. That's it is very shocking. We need to branch out. I mean, good grief. <laughs> well, we do mostly baseball, so we could probably even try other sports besides baseball. But. <laughs> I mean, but wait, that's kind of aggressive, isn't it? Like rumor has it, that's a pretty like mean girl sport. Yeah, it is. And it was a sport. It was something I actually learned at Notre Dame because I came in with a swimming background. Okay. Um, I was just kind of swimming, training on my own, just, and some water polo girls had said, Hey, we need somebody to sprint for the ball, which means you just you swim for the ball and then you get possession. Um, and they said, then we're just going to pull you out and then we'll just teach you the game as we go. So for the, my whole freshman year, I just sprinted for the ball would win the possession and then they'd pull me out of the game until I figured it out. But it was, it was really fun for me to have a team and to learn a sport and to compete at a high level. It was really fun. So yeah, it is, it is tough. 
it is tough. I just tended to be faster than other people. So I kind of squirmed away from the too much aggression. <laughs> That's good. But how did your, so Matt doesn't have the opportunity to have a wife that played a college college sport, but there are a lot of women that marry men that anyway, they've got that bond. So we don't have that, but has it helped your marriage? I, I just am curious. Has it helped y'all's marriage knowing that you competed at a high level? Obviously he's competing at an incredibly high level. Are you able to encourage in a different way? I think, I think it helps because she understands, you know, the, the needs and the, you know, just what it takes. I think it's important. Um, not that, you know, Leslie, you haven't been able to see that or whatever, but, uh, you know, I think there's just watching our kids watch the games, you know, Mary Catherine's been able to teach them what she didn't know anything about baseball prior to this, but just the competitiveness. And, um, I think it's been great. It's not a requirement by any means, but no, but I think sports in general gives you a certain discipline in life and it just gives you kind of the attitude, like we're doing this, let's go. Um, and I don't know. I just think like our kids, we only have one home right now. Athleticism hasn't really come out of them yet. Maybe they're athletes, maybe they're not, but we both appreciate sports for the discipline they give kids. So we and just the fun and the competitiveness and being a part of a team so even at a low level even at an in you know at any level sports are important for what they bring to the table um not just at a professional level so yeah i agree i'm curious mark you've played with obviously a lot of teams and and you've been around a lot of different managers and coaches what are when you talk about leadership you talk about like just guys you've been around, what, what are some of your favorite, I guess, leadership styles or things that you, if, if you get into coaching or if you get into leadership, who are some guys or some, some I don't know, things that have, you've picked up along the way that you find effective if you were trying to help a coach or a young player um, with, with, I don't know, just stuff that you've seen that's an effective way to lead? Sure. Um, I think you were around Clint Hurdle for a while in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Clint, when he came to Pittsburgh, he, he's been phenomenal uh, for my career. And, and watching him lead has been really cool because I know, you know, his past and stuff like that. And I think he's, he's completely, he's kind of, you know, flipped the script 100% and done a 180. So, um, but he was very outspoken, very you know, upfront, willing, willing to talk about the good, the bad, everything, and, and express kind of some of his downfalls, you know, which, and be very open about things, which allows a, a trust and a, you know, an openness that not all people are willing to, to give. So being vulnerable, I think is a big, you know, lesson there. And then, you know, always he, for me, he was, and, and everybody really, he'd always have meetings and and talk through you know what we need to work on what we don't need to work on and and um you know just just assessing the situation being where your feet are um and being open and honest but always you kind of always knew where you stood and and where everybody stood really and there was always an open door you know so that i would say hurdle um you know, had a lot of things to give as far as leadership skills. 
That's good. Yeah. What about, I, I know you guys played on a lot of, a lot of different teams and that's super fun because you get to meet lots of different families and, and it, and that's my, that was my favorite part about Matt's career is um, the social part. <laughs> and so, and so I'm just curious, are, are there families that stood out that have mentored y'all along the way and, and people that you kind of pick, pick things from their life and how they're, how they're navigating the career that you've applied to your own? Hmm. Um, great question. Um, I should have sent it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, a coach that stood out has been the Meacham family. Gary was like my first Bible study leader yes. in Houston. I'd actually never been to a Bible study. And so then I thought all of my, I mean, everything was as great as Gary, you know, leading a Bible study, but, um, you know, she, she really mentored. I mean, it was our first year of marriage and everyone would come in and say, marriage is so hard. I'm like, really? It's great. I, I don't know what, you know, anyone's talking about, but, um, but then through the years, kind of Mark and I's motto has been, we're sticking together as a family, no matter what that looks like. So, um, right now our kids go to three schools a year, which sounds crazy. And I actually don't know anybody else who does that. We did it. Um, we did it. <laughs> okay. So it's like, even in spring training for six weeks, our kids go to school in Arizona yeah. or wherever we are. Um, and our oldest is in third grade and they still, they're all in because they want to be, we all want to be together. And so they're in and, um, we do sports wherever we are. We are all, we are all in wherever our feet are. And we just, are so grateful and happy wherever our feet are. And then we love meeting new people, making new friends and making new friendships and just having a very positive outlook on, hey, wherever our feet are, we're happy. We're together as a family and we're in this together. And that's always been our approach as a family as, and I mean, it's a, it's a it's ton awesome. of work for Mary Catherine. She sets all of this <laughs> up, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's well worth it. And, mm -hmm. and the, the kids, I think they actually like it because they get to, have new friends and in, in lots of different places as you guys probably experienced. So, yeah, we did the same thing and Jackson will be a senior that coming up and we did the exact same thing. Like Florida was spring training school. Then we did Missouri school and um, that's what we did. And so, and then whenever Matt played for the Yankees, we did, you know, spring training and then we yeah. did it. And then the off season, we did the same thing. So we did the exact same thing that, that y'all did. And just to give you like some advice, the only subject you're really going to have to keep an eye on <laughs> is, right, tell me. is reading. And so, and so other than that, I think you're good. And so okay. maybe like, okay. maybe like pay a little bit of attention to that. Look for the gaps. Look for the gaps. Fill in the gaps. <laughs> so, but you know, the ACT score wasn't so bad. <laughs> Luckily there's a pandemic, so he's fine, but. Yeah, they don't right. have to turn it in to go to college, but no, I'm just teasing. But it, there was a major advantage to to doing what you're doing. He's do a very I mean, well adjusted, yeah, soul. And like they did, they exactly what you're saying is is what has turned out to be true. They have friends everywhere. They're well adjusted. Like going to college is going to be no big deal because they, you know, they're used to that sort of thing. And so I'm grateful that that we did that. And you know, we we picked up on that from an older. I remember having a conversation with, um, I believe it was, it was Tom Glavin's wife. And I, anyway, it doesn't matter, but I called her one day cause she had kind of done something similar with their family. And, and she was just so gracious to sort of tell me the, 
tell me kind of how they, they did it. And I was like, you know what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to just pick these kids up and we're just going to go everywhere and stay together. And I'm grateful because now that Matt's career is over, um, we didn't walk away from the career with built up resentment because dad was never around and, you know, and all of those, all of those things. So it's been, it's, uh, it's been well worth the, the sacrifice for our family, like on the other side of it. So I want to encourage you all to keep Your kids survived. This is fantastic. And yeah, keep doing it, even though I just watched the reading. And so, <laughs> yeah, we have people tell us we were crazy and we were killing our kids' education. And, and they're socially going to be, you know, not able to adapt. And uh, we haven't seen any of that. So, so they're still doing it. How old is the youngest? Seven. Seven to 17. So, yeah. 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 Every three years. It's hard. Kids, raising kids is hard. <laughs> so. so let's talk about your faith a little bit, Mark. Like, how has your faith impacted like your career, like the highs and lows? And just talk a little bit about like, you know, just what your faith is, how, how it's involved in every area of your life and, and baseball and how, you know, it, it, I guess just for kids and, and people listening like that, how, how it can help you deal with the highs and lows of baseball. Yeah. I mean, the highs, the highs are great. The lows are low, uh, you know, in this game. So having that foundation, I think kind of keeps it even keel, which is so important because you can run yourself through a bridge, you know, off a bridge. And then the next day you're living the high life and you kind of see those ebbs and flows in a lot of guys. And, um, I think, I think your faith is, is huge in that regard, just kind of keeping you grounded. And, um, you know, for me, I always get joy every time I run into the, into the pitching mound and, you know, coming through the gates and the bullpen. And I, I always say a prayer and it's, it, that time for me is so meaningful because it's, you know, it's kind of like, Lord, let your will be done and give me courage, give me strength. And, and, uh, you know, just, I'm just so happy to be able to be out here and, and help me use this platform in a good way. So, um, but you know, our faith has grown tremendously by being on so many different teams and meeting so many great people and different Bible studies. And, um, it, it's been cool to, to be able to kind of get, get around the country and meet so many people and so many people have so much in common and, but we're able to learn so much as well. So, yeah. That's good. I, I think with us too, I mean, we were married really young and, and started this journey together really young and or professional baseball really young. And I would say that, that the people that God had kind of placed in our path was a major catalyst for our faith and um, just the conversations in the stands and the Bible studies and, and all of that stuff. I'm, I'm very, like you, I'm very grateful for this journey. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't know. It was just so unique, you know, and just meeting people at the right time. It was just a really, really cool thing for sure. And Gary's an amazing person to learn from, especially oh your first Bible study right out of the gate. I know. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> There's been a lot of great other Bible study teachers along the way. So, I mean, it's just been fantastic. And things that I wouldn't have had access to. I think anytime you can go to a Bible study with the group, you learn something, even if it's small, sometimes it's big and sometimes it's everything. So just showing up and going, you always walk away feeling like so glad I had that opportunity. So that that's how I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would be going to Bible study if, if it weren't just available to me. So 
Um, I, I'm incredibly grateful for that and how much I've grown um, and we've grown together during this journey. It's just been awesome. So that's good. I love that. Okay. Well, Mark, can you give me a Skip Schumacher story <laughs> that would be appropriate? Appropriate. <laughs> well, I think, I think last week he was uh, surfing and saw a couple fins come out of the water. So he had to clean his drawers. Yeah. He, you know, Skip, he, he got a little freaked out pretty quick, I think. So. Oh yeah. We, we had him and Lindsay on, on, on the podcast and it's worth a listen. It's yeah. They're two of the funnier people we've come in contact with. So we, I could see Skip. I, I tell, so this story, so Skip, Lindsay, when Skip retired, I think one of the first things she told him is you need to get a hobby and I'm not that hobby. <laughs> so she, uh, she made sure he, he needed to go. I think, I think that's surfing. why he started surfing and he bought yeah. that little truck SUV thing he's got, or he had, and yeah. the first time he picked me up, we were in Anaheim and I'm like, wow, what's this car? And he's like, oh, that's where I put my surfboard. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, great. So yeah, yeah. he's the best. He is. He's awesome. That looks like a fun team too. So I bet this has been a yeah. good stop along the way. It's awesome. exhilarating team for sure. That's awesome. And it, what's neat too, and, and something that that I noticed towards the end of Matt, I'm not saying it's towards the end of your career, but as we got older and everyone else got younger, which happens in like three minutes, it seems like I kind of yeah. liked that role. I kind of liked the role of seeing and getting to just visit with some of the younger girls and then the brand new babies and having, you know, and just those conversations that you get to have with for y'all, like the, the younger players coming up and, and for me, like the wives and, and everything and so have you guys enjoyed that I mean it, it's a it's fast it happens fast it's like one minute you're young right. and don't know what's going on and then the next minute you know you're the old person on the team and so or the older person on the team no we are the old we are we're in the old category <laughs> for sure I've never been called old so much in my life <laughs> Mark comes home and says so-and-so said he grew up watching me like what <laughs> what happened <laughs> Yeah, like, Marco not- Gonzalez said that to me in spring training one year. He's like, you're my favorite player growing up. And I'm like, what? You Is that a compliment? Oh, yeah. like, you can't say that. I'm about to hit a home run on you. Let's go. Out here. Get on the mound. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I, I, I don't mind it at all. I think it's neat for our nine-year-old is all of a sudden the oldest kid around. And she's like being a mama to all the little kids. And the moms are letting her them hold her their babies which I'm like oh my gosh I don't know if she's capable of doing that but um it, it, it's awesome and I'm always grateful wherever our feet are and I really mean that and I just sometimes I think I want to be somewhere else or I want things to be easier and then they just turn out awesome and it just reminds me how much I'm not in control and how I'm glad I'm not in control because I would make all the wrong choices so um just you know we're just always grateful for every year baseball gives us. And yeah, know. it's really true. I mean, yeah. we would have picked so many different directions, you know, based on our feel and the Lord just didn't want that to happen. So, uh, you know, but then at the end of the day, we're so happy and we're, we're so happy, you know, we're so just like, wow, can't believe this. We would have never picked this, but we're even happier now than we, we were. So, yeah. you know, whatever it maybe yeah. you know yeah. it makes a lot of sense yeah that's really cool um 
So we've been trying to ask people and we're looking for a great answer. So no pressure or anything on this, (laughs) (laughs) but like practical ways to help kids understand like what they say, like they have these dreams and these goals to play pro sports or play college sports at any level. And so they're saying it, they're saying it, they're saying it, but yet they don't really understand what goes into becoming what they, what they want to become. And so what, what advice would you give? I mean, it's so, it's so tough to like, mm, get that yeah, point like, across. <laughs> I think the internal, like when, when their actions match their dreams, you know, like, okay, you want to play major league baseball. Okay. Well, you know that it takes a lot of sacrifice. And so is that, what, when did that click for you? And, and what would you say to kids that, that say they want to do something that's great, but they don't quite know what it takes? Yeah, probably clicked uh, in college for me because I could actually see a tangible, you know, something happening there. But I look back in high school and I I felt like I worked hard and I really wanted to get somewhere. But um, looking back, I I didn't really know what it meant to work hard or, or pay attention to those details that matter and understand the big picture. Um, so I think there's definitely a maturity thing that has to take place, you know, but playing multiple sports, I mean, there's no way I'd be here now if I didn't play football or basketball and to, to see kids only play one sport is just shocking to me and, and ludicrous. Um, but you know, somebody like you, Matt, who's mentoring these kids, I mean, Gosh, that's that's a huge impact uh, um, to have somebody push push them along and and have been there and done that. So I think your role is is you know even bigger than teaching them mechanics or swing or whatever it is. I think just kind of like, hey, you're not getting it. Having that conversation with yeah. and and that heart to heart, like you know, you say you want to do it, but yet you're still doing all this or you're not showing up early or we don't see you staying late or, you know, um, cause those are the things I wish I would have done in football more to, you know, more than anything is as a quarterback, I wanted to learn, I should have been wanting to learn defenses more and, you know, scouting and watching video and stuff like that way more than I did, but I just didn't know what it took. And then you hear what, what they do in, in college and, I watched what they did in college and how they worked out and all that stuff. And it's like, I was never even close to that. So, um, but I think Mark, what you've done along the way, and I didn't know pre-college Mark, but I've always been impressed with how willing you are to learn. Even when you're in a position of success, you still want to learn more and see if you can apply that to be better. And you're always learning and growing. And I remember when you told me you were going to start throwing a different pitch, I'm like, why? I mean, everything's fine, right? Like, why would you, why would you try to screw up like something that's good? But always, oh, even this year, you've said you've learned so much from the pitching coach. And I always think always being able to learn and see if that works for you is just been really impressive um, from my standpoint, because I think a lot of people would say, I'm good. I got it. I don't need any more information. I'm maxed out. So I'm glad we asked you guys this question because I think that I think that the understanding that it's very important to be detailed is, you know, like specifically detailed and tailored to 
whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish and learning what those details are um, is very valuable to your growth and, and being humble enough to never stop, never stop learning whatever it is that you're passionate about. I think that's so true. And that's exactly what I'm going to tell my kids. <laughs> I'm really glad we, we talked about this. <laughs> so, cause raising young athletes, right. I mean, you, and, and then they're your kids. And so that makes it even harder because your heart's being fully exposed and they're like, I want to play like daddy. I want to be in the big leagues like daddy, <laughs> you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, um, you put more time on TikTok, my my guy, than you do you know, in, the, in the batting cage. So we got something, we got something going on here that doesn't quite add up. And so, but you're right. I mean, just learning and growing and being detailed and, and writing a plan. And I think is, is really a good place to start with, with young people and realizing that they probably aren't doing what they think they're doing. You know, they're probably not doing quite enough. And so Anyway, but TikTok is killing me. It's it's killing me, you guys. I, I can't. <laughs> All right, last one for me. We ask everyone when they come on. So it's called Table 40. So if you can have six or seven of your favorite people around the table, and what are you eating? So you got six or seven of your favorite people, and what food would the Melansons have at the table? Oh, my gosh. gosh. And, like, our collective favorite people? Just whatever you it's want. Last, so we had Bo Bichette on, and he went Jesus, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan. Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. It was an interesting table. And then we had, like, Mason Rudolph, who's a quarterback for the Steelers. He went with, like, Abe Lincoln. Alexander the Great and Abe Lincoln. And he went way back, leadership. So it's kind of an open end. Then we've had people just go with, like, their best friends that people nobody knows, but they that's who they want to do it with. So. <laughs> Just a, what is what? Yeah. So, what's your table? <laughs> it, would, it would probably be a mixed bag for me. Just like, you know, obviously Jesus would have to be there, um, but then I'd want a little bit of like. I haven't thought this through, but but then I'd have to have somebody that's you know close to me that I just kind of if they're completely out of their minds, then like, I love Lou Holtz, you know, like I can be a girl. Like I love Lou Holtz. I love, um, I mean, like I love Taylor Swift. Great. <laughs> we have quite the mix here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Mark, I feel like you would love like a coach, like a Tony Dungy or like somebody yeah. who just has like really good insight. Mark always wants to learn. He doesn't watch any TV, he only listens to like audiobooks that can make him better or grow. He can't understand why I would watch TV for no reason, like friends or something. He's like, What are you getting out of it? I'm like, I'm laughing, you know, but um, it's dumb entertainment. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Mark always wants to like learn and grow. That's that's who he is. So I feel like, um, anyway, I don't know if we answered. What are we eating? We're eating. Oh, my grandma's lasagna. All right. Yeah. All right. What would you eat? Sushi, I think. Sushi. So nice. Y'all are in a good spot for sushi. I mean, San Diego. Yeah. Pretty good yeah. spot. Yeah. We had some last night. Nice. Yeah. Where's the spot in San Diego? I don't know if I've ever had sushi in San Diego. Sushi on the rock? Oh, yeah. You've been there. There's a Nobu right there down by the stadium, too. It's probably pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I've been there. Yeah, sushi's good. So is lasagna. So I guess it would be it would be a good night. <laughs> we had uh, there was a group. There was five or six of us when I was with the Astros that 
got to have lunch with the first George Bush. Um, and you could just tell how much he cared for our country and just what a genuine person he was. And uh, um, it was so cool because, you know, it, everything was for the good of the country. And I don't know if we feel that way now, you know, yeah. um, but a person like that should be in the lead yeah. for us. And uh, <laughs> no, I just, I just felt like it was so cool to sit there and talk and, and, you're worried about political stuff. I don't care about that. I, I don't even think about that stuff. It's just a good person yeah. at the helm, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, somebody like that at dinner would be awesome. But, uh, I don't know. I would just want different pieces, you know, just to hear different sides, different views, angles, to be able to learn and, and, um, and we'll have Taylor Swift there who can sing. And Taylor Swift can, can write a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get her with the Melansons. So it'll be, it'll be great. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this can we hear your guys's? <clears throat> oh, you know, I've never thought about it. I, I've, I've got, I'd probably go like Skip and Lindsay, Adam and Jenny. Like, I, I think I would go more recent like guys people that i played with that i don't get to see enough that i wish i could see more those are the people that i think and then lance and kara yeah like uh, yeah but so matt you could have you could do that like yeah we could do I, that at PAO. i hadn't thought about the history <laughs> yeah i hadn't thought about the history one um i mean i would probably just like to hear like the characters throughout the bible like from different eras would be cool like going back um so, I, I mean, yeah, I think I would just start from the beginning and just kind of go and work my way more into the yeah. New Testament. With, That'd be awesome. For yeah, sure. just here, um, I would find that pretty fascinating. But I don't know. I don't What food would you go with? I think I would go with the steak at Alexander's in San Francisco. That's nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going with sushi really? as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from Uchi, okay. either right. in Austin or Houston or okay. Dallas now, I guess, they're right. there too. So, but I'm more of a, I, I would do, I think, um, Paul and Peter, and then there's a guy named Bonhoeffer that, that it's interesting to me. He's an old theologian. I would like <laughs> to have him there. Um, there's another one named A.W. Tozer and C.S. Lewis. I think I would like to go there just because I think Martin Luther and um Thomas Aquinas that would be fun since we've got oh, like the go. Protestant group and then the, the Catholic group I'd like to kind of shake that out it would it would help me out a whole lot not be so confused about things and um that would be my that would be my table I think I think that yeah. that's what I would go with and have you know and I think sushi I think everyone would they wouldn't have had that and so then that would be kind of a of course they thing. have they no well they eat fish raw but it's, I think that's a more modern <laughs> way of doing it I think Peter oh, would be super fired up about the sushi he would probably do he would, sashimi he would probably do that yeah <laughs> so anyway but no one's ever asked us that before so that was fun yeah to know we're, to work on that we're gonna have to work on that well so, thanks guys I'm gonna be thinking about this all day now so yeah good good <laughs> yeah <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportsspectrum.com.